In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we look back on our lives and think about all of the big moments, we usually share a few, at least, in common with one another. Our birthday, of course. Our baptism, our confirmation, our wedding, the birth of a child. Each one of these big events marks a kind of beginning, a shift in our life, which orients ourselves to a distinctly different future. The day you are born marks your entry into this world, which we all know is filled with a mixture of pain and joy. The day you are born again in the waters of baptism, of course, marks your entry, your beginning as a Christian. Your entry into the church will then define your life, even past your death. The day you are confirmed, marks your adult life, your adult Christian life, wherein you then partake of the meal which sustains you along the journey, the difficult journey, of Christian adulthood. The day you are married, indeed, is another beginning, where a man and a woman are joined together and are made one. As it says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. The birth of, the of a child is, as most people are quick to remind you, a day in which your whole world shifts, and your attention and care and love are all then oriented to the little baby who lays in your arms. New beginnings. Big moments, after which life will never be the same. One of these moments in the life of Christ occurred at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. The water being turned to wine was not Jesus' first miracle. But as John the Evangelist writes in our Gospel lesson, it was his first sign. It was a sign which revealed Jesus' creative glory. Water into wine publicly revealed Jesus to not only be man, but also God. God the creator, who once hovered over the face of the deep, who took man and from his side formed Eve. The first marriage. There are many things in this story, the wedding at Cana, that this story can teach us. It is used, of course, if we remember back to our wedding, as the as as, as a point in the beginning of the the beginning of the wedding rite, wherein we point to this sign 
of Jesus turning water into wine as an explicit reminder that God blesses and even reveres marriage. It is also a story which reveals the selfless character of Jesus. Jesus does not turn the water into wine in order to fill his own stomach. Likewise, he also does not turn the water into wine in order to make himself and everyone drunk. But rather, he does so to reveal himself to the people as the one who provides. The practical reality of a wedding in the ancient world is this. If a bridegroom ran out of wine, it would be a huge embarrassment. Weddings were a huge deal. They took multiple days and they were absolutely uh, vital. And for them to be running out of wine would have been a huge embarrassment. And so Jesus comes to aid. He prevents this shame and provides for the people. Jesus provides for the needs of his people. He comes into our world and blesses us with the needs of the body and with the needs of the soul. He came, of course, to serve, not to be served. That is in part what this lesson teaches us. But the story can also teach us this, that Jesus is also the one who creates. To speak light into existence is to create. To form Eve from the side of Adam is to create. To make man and woman one flesh in holy marriage is to create. To take simple bread and wine and by means of speaking add to them body and blood is to create. To take water and by means of the speaking and the water itself bringing about a real spiritual rebirth in holy baptism is to create. To turn water into wine is likewise, again, to create. Jesus' turning water into wine was Jesus' first sign. It was the beginning of his public ministry, wherein he announces to the world that he has come as creator to create. When we speak, however, of God creating things, we often think of him creating tangible things, and indeed he does. Psalm 139 talks about the creation of us in the womb. It says, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Indeed, the Lord created all things. But the Lord also creates things that are intangible, spiritual things. Namely, the Lord creates faith 
How? Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is spoken through the Word of God. Simply put, when the Word is spoken, God is speaking. And when God speaks, things are created. And more so even when the word of God that is spoken is a promise. For when Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, he is making it so. And when we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he grants exactly what he promises for it to grant. When he said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He makes it so. When Lucy Jean was baptized this morning, the Lord came into our midst and performed before your very eyes a sign, just like in Cana. He created. For baptism is no mere symbol, but rather it is a sign. A sign as real as the wine created by Jesus in Cana. It is a sign of Jesus' promise given to Lucy and to each one of you as well that your baptism makes you his own. It is how he dispels the power of darkness that we, in our sin, have brought upon ourselves and that we and Lucy were born with. Baptism likewise, is not something that we make. It is not of human origin. It is altogether a creation of God, of heavenly origin. And neither is faith something that we can make. We often get this wrong. For as the scriptures said, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That is, that which is dead cannot do anything. Life must then be introduced from outside without our own working. And baptism grants faith. And both baptism and faith are creations of God. On the third day, Jesus manifested his glory for the first time by turning the water into the wine at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. And that brings us to the next thing that we can learn about this passage. This being on the third day seems rather coincidental, but it was no accident. The third day has always been a day that was symbolic of God's revealing his glory It was the third day that the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. It was the third day that Jesus manifested his glory in Cana. It was the third day that Jesus finally revealed his victory over death in his resurrection. And it is on that third day after Jesus' death that we still gather. We gather on the day of the Lord revealing his glory in the resurrection. And the Lord reveals his glory again today by creating, by creating faith, 
by the washing of rebirth and holy baptism, by creating faith in all of your hearts, by speaking the word into your ears, and every Sunday that the Lord's Supper is administered. For the Lord has not stopped revealing his glory. He continues to reveal his glory. He continues to do so on our behalf even, bring to us the forgiveness of sins which we so desperately need. Jesus prevented the bridegroom at Cana from shame, the shame of not having enough wine. And just so, Jesus comes into our midst and he covers our shame. He prevents our shame by the shedding of his blood. For the Lord reveals his glory, and his glory is not for his own, but for ours. Dear Christians, water into wine at the wedding at Cana was the first of Jesus' signs. There he blessed marriage. There he showed himself as a servant. There he showed himself as the one who in the hour of need comes to our aid. He showed himself likewise also as the creator. The creator of all things, of course, but also, and most importantly, the creator and author of our faith. For just as he made water into wine, he also makes our sinful hearts into pure hearts. Our sin-parched lips into ones which sing his praise, our death into everlasting life. He does this, of course, through holy baptism, in which he dips his hands into this ordinary water, wherein he drowns the old man and brings out of the water the new man, the new creation. Lucy, you were baptized into Christ. You are no longer mine, but his. He has created and formed within your very being a new creation. The Holy Spirit has been placed within your very heart, and you are made new. This newness will last throughout your life and beyond your death. It will sleep with you in the grave until the appointed time when the Lord will raise your body to stand with all the saints in glory, including your grandpa, in the splendor of the new creation. This is the word God has spoken. It is his promise, his sign, his covenant. It can never be broken. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.